Welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Good evening and welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's weekly hour-long update on the latest developments in Arizona State University athletics, and in particular, spotlighting news from the realm of ASU football. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Arizona State Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball, and it's my pleasure to serve as your host tonight. We welcome all our fans joining us this evening. Just so you know, there are several different ways you can check out tonight's show. You can listen on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, or you can live stream through the Arizona Sports app. In addition, if you want to see the show, you can check out our Facebook live stream on the Sun Devil Athletics Facebook page. Sun Devil football will be the topic up for discussion here in the next hour, and we're delighted to have three special guests join us for this evening's show. First-year ASU offensive coordinator Zach Hill will drop by, as will the young man who will be at the controls of Coach Hill's offense this year, as sophomore Sun Devil quarterback Jaden Daniels will visit. And with us to start the show once again tonight, it's my pleasure to say hello to third-year Arizona State head football coach Herm Edwards. Good evening, Herm. How are you? I imagine pretty good because you got some pretty good news earlier today, didn't you? Yeah, I think if you're a Pac-12 fan, um, you're excited about the news uh, that broke a little earlier this afternoon. And um, haven't really seen the players. That, uh, it was we were done working out, so I'll see them tomorrow. And I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure they're excited as well. Now, uh, the news Herm's referring to was the announcement earlier this afternoon by the Pac-12 Conference University Presidents and Chancellors, better known as the Conference CEO Group. That group voted unanimously to start the Pac-12 football season this November. It'll be the first weekend in November, Friday, November 6th, and Saturday the 7th. Each team will play seven games with the season culminating on the weekend of December 18th and 19th. And uh, pretty exciting news indeed, Herm. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I I think uh, when you think about where we were three months ago, uh, and then all of a sudden some teams coming back and and we were still in position of not able to do that. Uh, But now with the news, I think um, there's a lot of excitement all of a sudden, especially for coaches and players and and fans as well. But but you can imagine players uh, coming in, building every day, uh, working out and really not having a start date to anything. And that, that, that's that been the mode around here for about three months. And now that those clouds have seemed to dissipate. And now we have an opportunity to, to play football, which is, will be exciting. It seems that the major game changers, the, uh, the agreement with the Quidel Corporation to provide the quick result uh, diagnostic testing for COVID-19 with the opportunity to get results within 15 minutes, and then the easing of restrictions uh, at the state and local level in the states of California and Oregon. That is correct. And um, lo and behold, I can't thank uh, thank those medical professionals enough uh, for their due diligence here the last seven months. I mean, all our medical workers all over the country have done a fabulous job of of treating patients, obviously uh, looking for different ways to test uh, and also looking for vaccines as well. So we, we, we can't take them out of the spotlight because they truly are the heroes. 
No question about it. Now, the start date, as we mentioned, basically the first full weekend in November, that's six weeks away from now. And that's pretty much what you've said all along is the amount of time it would take to get a team ready to play. Yeah, we all felt that way. And, and I think we, we looked at it with, through our medical staffs, uh, through our strength and conditioning uh, coaches. Uh, I think most of the coaches in the Pac-12 relied on those two entities to give us the information. And um, that's how it kind of all came together. And now we, we have a plan. You know, there's a start date. And um, I think every coach in the Pac-12 is excited about that. Now, the, as we said, it'll be a seven-game schedule. The schedule itself will be released in the next couple of days. But, Herm, I would imagine you'll be playing your five Pac-12 South Division rivals, Arizona, USC, UCLA, Utah, Colorado, one opponent from the Pac-12 North. And then it's going to be an interesting final weekend of the season, December 18th and 19th. The two division leaders will meet for the conference championship and I understand the rest of the league will play crossover games. In other words, the second-place team in the North at that time would play the second-place team in the South and so on down the standings. Yeah, and I think it's another way to add another game uh, to your schedule. Um, you know, those things could be, obviously, bowl situations. Uh, maybe uh, having the ability to get into a bowl, win another football game, play another football game. That, you know, football players and football coaches want to play games. That's what that's what we like doing, and, and anytime you can compete, and I think the uniqueness of this season, uh, when you think about it, um, they're all against um, Pac-12 opponents. So, with that being said, it reminds me a little bit of uh, whether it's uh, March Madness people following basketball, whether it's NFL playoff games. You know, every game becomes a very important game. They're all important. Now, we understand that the rivalry games are important. We get, But when you think about it, there's only six games that you're going to play, five in your conference, one out of conference. Then you have the ability to play a seventh game. Mm-hmm. But the sixth ones are the important ones in this sense. That's going to line you up to what happens, right? And they're all against opponents in your division for the most part. In, in your conference, in the Pac-12 conference, that's, it's kind of, that's unique. It'll be very interesting. It certainly, I think, is going to add a compelling nature and a, and a level of intensity right from the get-go that a team has to have to be ready because every game will be so incredibly meaningful. Well, can you imagine if you get off to a 3-0 start? <laughs> you know, five games in the conference? You're pretty excited. Right? Mm-hmm. Every, every game is critical. They're all critical games because you feel like if you can win in your conference, you knock somebody down. They're, they're one behind you, right? And then that's it's 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 NCAA basketball tournament. You better win. <laughs> it is. You better it's win. It's almost like every game. Win. Every game means two, almost. Exactly right. You win, and you knock another guy back a peg. And now the the interesting right. dynamic is going to be the fact that Pac-12 said today that no fans will be permitted at any sports competitions taking place on Pac-12 campuses at least until January of 2021. What's your sense of what that will be like playing football games in empty stadiums? Uh, that, that'll be very interesting because uh, the stadiums have a way of providing energy uh, for home team as well as the, the road team. I mean, it, it, 
when you walk into the stadium, you anticipate energy. I can remember watching when basketball kind of came back and a little bit of baseball, right? And, and some of these schools that hadn't allowed people in the stadium. And you could almost tell when the NBA started playing, the players were playing, but it was almost like there's no, there's no atmosphere here, right? So the mm-hmm. players on both sides actually have to create the noise in the building. So now all of a sudden, I think if you're a football team, according to how many you can travel, how many you can actually dress, your players are going to provide the energy to the ones that are not playing. Now, I say this, there's no more home field advantage. I was just going to ask you about that. The crowd, right? I mean, the emotion of the crowd, right? I mean, certain situations. Now, will they pump the crowd noise in? I don't know that. I don't know if that's something we're going to do in this conference, but that'll be very interesting to watch a a complete game being played and with basically there's not a fan base for either team. What does that feel like? Now, players will adapt to it. We'll all have to adapt to it, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Indeed, because because of the fact that you're playing seven games, clearly some conference teams will only get three home games, and yet that may not be as big a disadvantage as it might sound because of the fact that there won't be any fans in the stands. No. And, um, you know, I think when you go on the road, um, you know you're walking into an environment, especially in our conference, um, and and, and – this is this is a, a conference where going on the road when you play against opponents they have a nice fan base there and they're very vocal you know college kids are unique they have ways of creating certain images in the stands and that's what I enjoyed a lot of really when I walked into the stadium prior to the warm-ups you'd watch certain groups and you say oh I heard about those those kids over there right and you just kind of keep your eye on kind of the things they come up with it was kind of fun right to watch as a coach me just me as a fan watching it as a coach right now when the game starts you just play but the energy that the stadium provides and I always felt good teams have to play well on the road you got to be built to play on the road and that was always my mindset as a as a former player um, I was taught that uh, when I was in professional football as well as college, but more in professional football. And then I, I think that you knew that when the crowd got silent, the energy went to your sideline because now you just took you just took the eleventh you just took the twelfth player away from the home team mm-hmm. because the crowd is now silent, and all of a sudden your sideline gets more energy. Because you go, they're quiet now. Now we got them, right? <laughs> you feel that sense of the energy switches. It goes, wait a minute. They just stole the energy from us, right? And you can sense that as a visiting team. You touched on your players a moment ago that you'll uh, be meeting with them uh, tomorrow. But uh, yeah. uh, t- give us a sense of, we talked about this briefly on last week's show, but what the players have been doing in these last few weeks and months uh, preparing for a season they hoped would start eventually. They have been in the classroom. They have been working with our strength and conditioning people. We've had some walkthroughs as well. So we, we have been in a mode of, of, of some form of being normal, per se. Um, we put on helmets this week. So they actually had helmets on, and we went through, you know, the walkthrough periods, and we did some drills with helmets on. 
getting them ready for that. But um, they were excited when we, this was the first week we actually put on a jersey and a helmet. So it makes them feel like, ooh, I put on a jersey and a helmet. This, we're, we're getting ready. So I was kind of getting them kind of ready for this, right? And you, you'd be amazed how excited they were when they put a helmet and a jersey on. All of a sudden, had some smiles on people's faces and, and things of that nature. Even coaches were smiling, you know, so. Okay, got jerseys on finally, right? And got a helmet on. So, you know, your whole life you play football, you live with a helmet. When you, mm-hmm. you put the helmet on, it's like it's almost that concentration deal when you put the helmet on. There's this different feeling you have as a as a football player when you actually put the helmet on. It's just I can't, you know, I can't explain it. I mean, if you've played the sport, you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing when you walk through and do these things and right, but also you put a helmet on, there's this focus that you kind of get. You hope oh, got a helmet on. Changes the, the the mood of practice changes, or I shouldn't say practice, but the walkthrough or the periods you're going through, it just changes for some reason. Because you're about to play some football, I think, when you got that helmet on for sure. Now, purchase yeah. one Coors Light 12 pack or larger, or one Coors Seltzer 12 pack, and any 7.7 ounce bag of Circle K favorites chips at your local Arizona Circle K, and then. Text HOMEGATE to 313-313 with registered receipt to enter to win a, pri- a grand prize Coors Light RV HOMEGATE experience, as well as other prizes. Visit your local Circle K to get all the details. Still more to come with Coach Herm Edwards on this hour-long edition of the Maroon Monsoon. But first, let's take a timeout here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now, back to our host, Tim Healy. We continue now on the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's new Thursday night program this fall that highlights Arizona State University athletics and this evening spotlights Sun Devil football. I'm Tim Healy, your host, welcoming you back to tonight's show. ASU head football coach Herm Edwards is among our trio of guests this evening. Sun Devil offensive coordinator Zach Hill and quarterback Jaden Daniels will be dropping by a bit later in the program. Again, the big news from earlier today, the Pac-12 Conference CEO group announcing that the league will start up its football season on the weekend of November 6th and 7th, a seven-game schedule that will culminate uh, with the championship game and other crossover games on the weekend of December 18th and 19th. Herm, with the uh, start date now set for uh, six weeks away, Will the way that you prepare your team, both from a physical, mental, and conditioning standpoint, differ in any way from what you would for a usual training camp regimen that uh, points toward a September uh, opening game kickoff? Uh, No, not really. Uh, You're talking about a start time of seven weeks if you count today. Um, Mm -hmm. When you think about training camp, uh, when we used the normal training camp routine, you had 29 days before you opened up. So, our schedule will stay similar uh, once we get the information uh, from the conference and what we can start doing, especially next week, uh, will be kind of how we take this deal. And just remember this, our players, for the most part, we've been fortunate. Uh, we've had the ability to work out with our players. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. They've been doing this for about two and a half, three months now. This routine of, of taking some film study, um, mm-hmm. doing some grills, um, having a walkthrough, lifting weights, the running part. We just haven't come together as a team and actually had a scripted practice per se. In other words, practice, a football practice. We have not been able to do that. 
Do you anticipate? Uh, I know this decision just came down a couple of hours ago, but uh, any thoughts as to when you will start your formal practices for the uh, opening weekend? Well, I would hope there's going to be this transition period that I think all the schools are going to have to go through. In other words, helmets without shoulder pads, like like normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal how it works. Uh, and, and then g- getting us ready to have this all of a sudden um, 11, 22 on 22. You know, what does that look like? There'll be a transition period. I would say a week would probably go by before we can get into the mode of per se training camp per se and then start going from there. You touched on this last week, but one of the challenges you face this year in this uh, delayed start to a season is a situation where you have new systems on both offense and defense. Although I guess another way to look at it is that at least your opening opponent is not going to have any film of what you do on offense or defense heading into that game. Not, not so much. I mean, I would think if you're you're going to play us, the thing you would do is you would look um, you would look at Boise State and say, you know, this is similar to this is kind of some things they're going to do offensively. But but how we do that, I think, will you know that that early will depend on you know when you don't have any film. You know, what are they going to do? They're going to be in, how many time how many times they're going to be in three tight ends? How many times they're going to be in two tight ends? How many times they're going to be in four wide receivers? All these different personnel groups, how are they going to use all this? That'll be new. The defense now is more of a traditional defense, four-man front, um, you know, with the three backers, uh, four secondary players. You know, what does that look like? Along with now a nickelback, you know, mm-hmm. you can call him a Tillman, uh, whatever you, whatever, however you want to label him. What does that look like? And, and then, you know, coverages are about the same. Uh you don't, you, don't, you don't trick any people with coverages. Most people play the same coverages. But it's the players playing the coverages that dictate how good you are in, in, in certain coverages. Like if, if you feel like your corners are good and your secondary is pretty stout, um, you'd preferably like to play more man-to-man and pressure and pressure the quarterback. You know, now with that being said, you got to be able to rush it. Can you get to the quarterback? Because when you play man-to-man, you leave your guys out there a little bit, right? So all these mm-hmm. things have to be weighed on who we play every week uh, and how we match up. You know, will we play more zone one week? Will we play uh, more man-to-man? Will we bring pressure uh, more one week than another? So all these things are game-planned by the opponent that we're about to play. Have your hopes or expectations for your 2020 team in any way been altered or modified by the pandemic forced layoff and the delay to the start of the season? Not really. Um, I, I think every coach in our conference, uh, you know, when we have these conference calls, all the head coaches are, are feeling the same way. Um, that I, I think the good thing, uh, and I asked a question last week, there was some hint that maybe certain teams would start at a different time. And, uh, if they were ready to go and other teams start a little later. And mm-hmm. I, I begged that question. I said, well, you know, we're a conference of, of the Pac-12 and I didn't feel real good about that, to be quite honest. I just said, if, if we hung this long together as a conference, we all need to start together as a conference, too. That, that was just my opinion. you know. But I don't, I don't make those decisions. But I needed to say it because I just felt that way. you know. And I just said, we, we've been in a conference. We've hung this long. I just felt it, it looked better for me personally. We all started together because we've all been in this together 
as a conference. And our conference, the coaches and the ADs and the presidents and all the people that had to make the decisions, um, we stuck together. We all stuck together. There was, we, were, we were one voice. And I, I like that. When, when you think about it, there's, you know, there's, there's, 12, there's 12 teams in this conference, and we did it in a way where we all, we all just listened to the people that were directing us, and we just stayed, we stayed the course. And now it's working out for us, and I think we're all excited about playing. You listened to the science, and as you said, it was unanimous when the CEOs voted in August to uh, delay the start of uh, competition until after January. And today, when they elected to move up the timetable to November, again, Herm, it was a unanimous vote. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and every coach understood that. Every AD understood it. Um, can't thank Ray enough. I mean, he, you know, he had a big part in all this. He was, uh, you know, speaking on the behalf of a lot of ADs uh, to the presidents. Uh, can't uh, thank Dr. Crow enough uh, for their, both of their leadership. When you think about this university and what it's gone through, uh, thus far, um, no furloughs, no cutting sports. None of that was ever mentioned here. Uh, and, and that it all starts from the top. It, it starts from our president, uh, Ray, um, the board of directors, everyone that's involved in, in, in running this institution. It's, it's bigger than just football. This is a, a multi-million dollar institution, right? And they got to make some tough decisions. And when you think about just holding it all together, uh, it's remarkable uh, the job that they've done. They need to be uh, they need to be patted on the back and say that the job well done. Indeed, they do. Of course, uh, every team in the conference is going to be playing one common opponent this year, Herm, and that is the coronavirus because yeah. that's that's still hovers over everything. Uh, already to this point, we've had twenty one. FBS football games uh, postponed because of corona-related issues, including four this weekend, and I think very compelling. Last week in South Bend, Notre Dame played and defeated South Florida 52 to nothing, and yet each of those two teams, Notre Dame's game at Wake Forest this weekend, South Florida's game against Florida Atlantic this weekend, having to be canceled after uh, seven fighting Irish players tested positive for COVID-19 and the South Florida officials concerned about the possible uh, spread among their players as well. Yeah, it's real. It's still here. And um, I think that's the battle you're battling against every, every week. You know, it's not only the injury and the opponent. You have two opponents, really. And one is invisible. Can't see it. You don't see when it's coming. You don't see when it's leaving. You don't know when. It, you don't know anything. And then if it hits your team, um, you're you're set back. And that's what every team is dealing with. And and the players understand it. Uh, you know, and, and no one purposely is trying to uh, go out and, and do something. But it's just a part of the world we live in, and it affects it, it affects a whole football team, right? And the problem mm-hmm. is, um, if that's the case, and you're going to play an opponent, it affects them too. And so now you got a cancellation. And if you look at our season right now, the way this thing is running out, there's no bye weeks. So if you have to forfeit a game, that's not only you, but your opponents forfeiting. So you're not even getting six games in. You might only get five. And if it gets you twice, <laughs> you might only get four. <laughs> so I, I think we all have to be aware of that. I know the players will be, the coaches will be, and we just got to find a way to get it done. 
But I think the league has excellent protocols in place, ready to go. I think the testing, the Quidel uh, testing with rapid results is going to be a game changer. And we're just excited, Coach, that uh, your team's going to get to take the field, God willing, in six weeks. That sounds good. I'm excited as well and uh, can't wait to see my players tomorrow. They'll be walking around the building with a smile on their face. Absolutely. Herm, we appreciate you uh, so much. You're taking some time to join us once again this evening. Uh, be well, my friend, and we'll see you soon. I'll see you Sunday. I know you'll be at Mass. You will too. I'll see you there, Coach. I'll be there. Herm, I'll be there. Thank you, our guest on the Maroon Monsoon. Say, fans, you have to order the Maroon or Gold Devil Deals from Venezia's Pizzeria for a chance to win an awesome prize pack courtesy of Sun Devil Athletics and Coors Light. Visit venezias.com slash devil deals to learn more. Lots more to come on tonight's show. Up next, we'll visit with the Sun Devil's talented sophomore quarterback, Jaden Daniels, to get his take on the imminent start of the 2020 Pac-12 football season. But first, this time out here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Welcome back to the Maroon Monsoon here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. I'm ASU radio play-by-play voice Tim Healy, and we're glad you decided to give us a listen this evening. Time now to welcome in our next guest on tonight's show, the young man who electrified Sun Devil fans with his brilliant play a year ago when he became the first true freshman quarterback ever to start a season opener for Arizona State. He started a lot of other games as well last year, going on to throw for over 2,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, and remarkably only threw two interceptions in his 338 pass attempts on the year. He was named ASU's Offensive Most Valuable Player, as well as a freshman All-American, and he will be the trigger man for the Sun Devil offense again in 2020. And we're delighted to welcome sophomore Jaden Daniels, to the show. Jaden, good to see you, buddy. First and foremost, how's your health and that of your family? Have you all been able to deal with the challenges that this pandemic has heaped upon all of us? I mean, my health is going fine. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, but my health is going on fine. Uh, staying cautious, social distance, because we have a, a goal to get to and I can't afford to sit out any time. But family wise, you know, family back home doing good. Just keeping up with them, keeping up with them daily, and just talking to them, see how they're doing every day. Well, I hope your mom's getting to listen in here tonight, and uh, she's probably delighted to hear you. And uh, you got to be itching at the bit, you and your teammates. Give us your reaction to the news today that the Pac-12 football season there's a start date in sight now, six weeks hence that first weekend in November. Uh, it was a big relief off the shoulders. I'm very excited to play. You know, it's first time without playing starting football in the end of August or beginning of September. So, you know, just getting that itch to get back on the field and showcase what we could do. That had to have been frustrating to anticipate the possibility that you might not even get to play until sometime, what, in January or February. What was that like yeah. for you and your teammates? Uh, I mean, for, for all of us, I'll say it was very frustrating, though, just going in with the with the mindset, oh, we have the team to win to win a Pac-12 championship this year and then just coronavirus hit. We had to postpone everything. It, was, it took a toll on us. You know, there's a couple times, like, guys were down. Uh, I was one of the guys I was down because I, I didn't know what to do without football on the first time in fall. So, you know, just going there and just uh, talking to Coach Herm. Coach Herm sat me and Frank down for the offensive guys. It was just like, 
well, you you two are the leaders, so you guys got to uplift the team because, you know, it's hard times right now. No football, which is working out. So some kids might just be like, what are we doing this for? We're not playing until January. But now we got a start date now, so we're excited to get back on the field. Boy, and we're excited to see you back on the field. And late today, Jaden, Sun Devil Football's Twitter account tweeted a wonderful, I thought, and succinct message saying, quote, you don't have to get ready when you stay ready. What have you and the fellows been doing these last few months to stay ready for this moment from a physical and mental standpoint? Uh, physically, you know, working out with Coach Joe, uh, you know, he's getting our body right. Joe Donnelly. Help us stay in the shape that we need to when our time has come. So that was the main thing, just be ready when our time has come. And uh, with the meetings, you know, just going over the offense, uh, taking a, a deeper d- uh, dive into the offense this, this past couple months, you know, just really learning since it's a new system. Uh, it was more complex than last year. So uh, this this COVID helped out a lot when it came to learning the offense more. How do you feel about the offense? We're going to have your coordinator, Zach Hill, visit with us on the next segment. Uh, how what, what would you describe as your comfort level, Jaden, with his offense right now? I know it's still more that we need. We still didn't get into, but right now I say it's, it's an eight and a half out of ten because you know just sitting there, we went over a couple times, uh, just getting building a relationship with Coach Hill uh, as as coronavirus had hit and having those time, having those talks of what I like and what uh, he envisions me to do this year, and how he's going to implement the offense around me so we could be successful in every way. How would you describe the offense to the fans that are listening, and how will it contrast or compare to the offense you ran last year? Uh, this offense, you know, it's a lot of shifts and motions. Uh, this offense is going to be very exciting, I'd say. Uh, just going out there, you never know what's up our sleeve. We might pull out a trick play, a first play game. At some point, just keep people on their toes and uh, keep them entertained. If you go back and watch Boise State last year, they put up a lot of points, so I say this year is going to. It's very entertaining. We're going to put up a lot of points, and from last year, you know, uh, this year's offense is more complex than last year. Maybe because I was just a true freshman going in, but I feel like this year's offense is going to be a lot of entertainment and a lot of points being scored. Let's reflect back on last year for a moment. First of all, let me ask you how you assessed your play in 2019. Did you meet or maybe exceed your expectations going into the season last year? Um, Really, I'll say my main goal was I, I wanted to contribute to the team in any type of way I can. I feel like I did that. Uh, I could have did a little bit more. But going in, you know, just a personal goals, freshman All-American, uh, I want to win Pac-12 uh, freshman player of the year, offensive freshman player of the year. That didn't happen. So, I mean, last year I, I met some of my goals, and in my play last year I played decent, decent enough to win a couple games. But I feel like there's times where I could have played better, and we could have had a better season than we did. In what areas would you say you'd like to elevate your game this year? Now, last week we had Coach Edwards on, and he said he would like to see you take more shots in 2020. Yeah, I, I agree with him. I agree with him. Last year, you know, trying to trying to get my feet wet, just being cautious with the ball. I know he still gets on me, don't throw the ball to the other dudes, but take what the deals and get you. <laughs> but this year I feel like we're going to take more shots. You know, we got Frank. We got other other people with speed that we could we could take the shots and I, I feel like some teams might not respect 
respect us like that with with the new receivers that we have losing uh Brandon Ayuk and Eno. So you know they might mm-hmm. not respect us as much. So we got to capitalize on those opportunities. You are losing a couple of really good playmakers who also now yeah. happen to be in the National Football League. Brandon Ayuk with yeah. the 49ers. Of course, Eno Benjamin here with the Arizona Cardinals. But, Jaden, give us your scouting report on your skill position players. you got some pretty good young athletes uh, at the receiver and running back spots, including and right. a veteran standby, of course, in Frank Darby. Right. I mean, you know, we got the veteran Frank, the guy that, that played the most snaps from the receiver group. But I feel this year our, our receiver group is young. Uh, having those freshmen come in, we got Ricky Pearsall, Jordan Porter, and those other guys that could, that could go out there and make plays as they grow uh, and learn the offense more and get their feet wet because they don't have that much experience as Frank does. So those guys are going to have to step in, step into the role of who they want to be, set goals and fulfill the goals, and just, you know, just get open. And then the running back group, I'll say we have we have those guys that haven't played a down in college uh, division one college football, so it's gonna be a, that's gonna be a test. But I know they'll step up to the challenge to make plays. Guys like Diamante Trianum, Danielle Nagata, uh, Rashad White, a JUCO Rashad transfer. He uh, said none of them have played, but boy, they're uh, they've got some talent, don't they? They do. You know, they've been working hard, learning the offense. Uh, always asking questions. That's the one thing. They always ask questions. They just want to be better. Um, just going in, I told them, you know, you once you get the opportunity, just take it and run with it, whoever the starter is. You know, those three guys, those are they're great dudes, great backs. So just going in each and every day, switching out with them. Um, they know what they're doing, and that's the main thing. Once you learn the offense, it slows down a little bit. But we'll see what happens when we get in the game with the pads. But I, I trust those guys a lot. And, Jaden, I bet you're trusting your offensive line, too. I think that group is going to be improved this year, with, uh, spearheaded by a couple of big uh, transfers. Uh, Kellen Deach, yeah. the offensive tackle, coming in from Texas A&M, and guard tackle Henry Hattis uh, coming in from Stanford. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year, you know, we're on the same page as, as far as communication between me and them. Um, uh, Donovan, you know, returner, and then we got Kay Cope. Um, ben Scott, which is actually one of my roommates, so, you know, quarterback mm-hmm. center. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we got Kelly and Henry us in there. And then um, those guys just each and every, going in each and every day is always looking out for each other. That's a – they got a good a good group right there. And we always just sit up there laughing and talking and um, really, really, uh, really uplifting each other each and every day. And especially when it comes on the field, the communication is there between uh, – everybody on the field so that's the main thing as long as they can protect before me let, i can do what i can do before we let you go i just wanted to get what was your your best moment your favorite moment from last season uh i want to say my favorite moment was, i got a couple but i want to say well, top three uh michigan state that was that was uh, one of my favorite moments um also washington state and then a lot of people ask me to think it's the Oregon, but I'd say it's my first touchdown. That was a big that was a big moment for me. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were gonna go three for three because I had picked out my favorite my three favorite Jaden moments. It was your fourth down run at Michigan State to keep that game winning drive alive at the end. Yeah. The touchdown to beat Washington State and then your eighty one yard bomb to Brandon Ayuk uh, to nail down that win against Oregon. 
Yeah, I feel those like are three pretty good ones. Huh? Just at the time, I just feel like the Oregon, you know, that's big for uh, the program. I feel like just that was that was me, but I was also Brandon. So I mean, that was mm-hmm. that was that was mostly him. He got open. I just threw the ball to him. But I say my first touchdown was a big one for me. First college touchdown. Sure. I always remember that. Oh, of course, but. Let me tell you, young man, you threw that ball pretty doggone well to IU. That was a that was a seed on a third and sixteen when your seventeen point lead had dwindled to three. And boy, that was just a wonderful play to watch. And it was a wonderful season to watch you. And I can't wait to see you play this year. Thanks for uh, spending part of your Thursday with us, Jaden. Stay healthy, my friend. Thank we'll see you. you soon. You too. Sun Devil quarterback Jaden Daniels has been our guest on this segment of the Maroon Monsoon. Tonight's broadcast of the Maroon Monsoon is brought to you in part by Lyft. Thank you, Lyft, for being a proud Sun Devil Athletics partner. Coming up, we'll visit with the gentleman whose offense, Jaden Daniels, will be quarterbacking in 2020. New ASU offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, will stop by after this timeout here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Hey, Sun Devil fans, here's a reminder. You can keep up with our radio play-by-play team on Twitter and Instagram by following at SunDevilPBP. We're heading down the home stretch of tonight's installment of the Maroon Monsoon. I'm Tim Healy, and we thank you for joining us tonight. Joining me now for the final segment of this evening's program is a gentleman about to begin his first full season at Arizona State. For the last four years, he was the offensive coordinator at one of college football's top programs of the last decade, Boise State. Last year, helping guide the Broncos to a 12-2 and record and a Mountain West Conference championship. They were a team that averaged almost 37 points per game and did so with a true freshman starting quarterback. He came on board last December, just prior to the Sun Bowl, as ASU's new offensive coordinator. And we're happy to have Coach Zach Hill in Tempe and on the program this evening. Zach, great to see you, partner. How's, how's your family doing? How are you doing health-wise? Doing really good, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, we, we love it down here in Tempe. You know, I've got two two younger kids, and, and they're adjusting to the heat. And the, and the summer was a, a fun one for us. So a lot, a lot of pool days and, and barbecue days here. So There you go. Hey, your reaction to the news today. You've got a start date in sight uh, to get it cranked up with your football team the first weekend in November, six weeks away. Yeah, awesome. Everybody's excited, you know, and you can feel the juice in the in the facility. Uh, I know the guys, the, the, the players are extremely uh, pumped to have something to look forward to and uh, and knowing they're working towards something that's going to be sooner than we thought. And uh, that's exciting for everybody. So, you know, as the coaching staff, you know, now we're readjusting schedules and and that that August Fall camp is now into October fall camp. And hey, that's that's great. We're, we, we adjust and here we go. After several weeks of spring ball, of course, the coronavirus pandemic brought all football-related activity to a halt. What have you been able to do in these last six months from, say, a virtual standpoint to assist your offensive players in learning the new system that they'll be implementing this year? Yeah, a lot of the uh, Zoom meetings and, and installs and um, you know, watching some situational things, some NFL clips, you know, with our guys, some individual development. Um, so we tried to span a lot of different realms of, of football, you know, and get as much out of it as possible. And, you know, as a coach, you're, you're talking to other coaches and um, trying to do some professional development on the phone. And, 
Um, you know, instead of, you know, in the off season, a lot of times you're out and about and trying to connect with coaches, you know, in person. And, and now it's, you know, more on the phone. But, you know, with the guys here at ASU, um, we try to take advantage of it as much as possible with um, online stuff, with, you know, even on the phone with Jaden and things like that and, and watching different things. But um, our guys handled the situation really well. And it, it wasn't an easy situation. You know, it's not easy to be on Zoom meetings every day and, um, and, and, focusing really you know but our guys are, are very excited about what's going on and um, I, I can say that they put in a lot of work in this off season. with six weeks now to prepare for the season's first weekend how challenging will it be for you to get your players comfortable and proficient in your offensive scheme well I think you know with the extended time and and what we've been able to do you know, in the meeting rooms, um, you know, walkthroughs, you know, through these last few weeks, um, I think our guys are ready. I know from a mental standpoint, they're picking up the offense really well, the operation, the new signals, the, you know, you know, all the intricacies, I guess, within our offense. Um, and now it'll be nice to truly get the pads back on. Uh, we were fortunate to get seven days in the spring, but, you know, truly getting back out there with the pads and, and seeing the physicality of, uh, of football, uh, will be really good for us. But um, I, I think the, the guys are ready to get back into the installs, and um, I think it's going to be fairly smooth moving into, into fall camp. It sure helps to have a talented guy under center, doesn't it? Our guest in the last <laughs> segment, Jake Daniels, he's fairly good. 100% with that. Yeah, it's it's all easier uh, when you got a guy that, that can do what he does, and he is super talented, and everybody looks to him as, as the leader and – um, as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks guy, um, that makes game planning a whole lot easier. That makes uh, sleeping a whole lot easier as well. So, Yes, it does. How would you describe your offensive scheme to our fans listening in tonight, comparing it or maybe contrasting it to what the Sun Devils were implementing Herm's first two years here? Well, I can only speak for you know the offense that we're putting in. Um, I would say there's a lot of intricacies to it. Um, it's pro style with spread elements, but you know we're going to use a lot of personnel groups and and um, shifts and motions and and formations. And ultimately, we're going to try to make it as difficult as possible for the defensive coordinator to um, you know to, to do some things and, and make it hard for the defense uh, to have to communicate and make adjustments. And um, and so. You know, we're doing that in a lot of different ways. But we've, we've got some great talent here. Uh, and then with a, with a quarterback that we're trying to build the offense around. And, and you know, we're still – there's still that give and take right now. And that's why it's going to be really important to get into these practices. So, you know, Jane and I have had a lot of conversations, watched a lot of film, you know, had some spring ball practices. But now it's, okay, what, what is he really good at? And, and then tailoring the offense to that and, and emphasizing, you know, the, the skills that he's got. I was going to ask you what portion of his skill set excites you most in terms of what you think you can capitalize on. Uh, ultimately, his playmaking ability. You know, and you can be wrong as a coordinator with a call, and he can make you right, and he can he can make a bad play into something good. You know, and his ability to create and and extend plays, and whether it's truly with his feet or just extending and giving himself some more time, and then working scramble drill down the field. Uh, he's just a He's a weapon. He's, uh, you know, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're looking at it, you're like, this is, this is going to be an interesting one because there's a lot of things to cover. 
Um, and even if you're bringing pressure, if he slips through, then there's a lot of space. Um, so I think that's what he brings to the game. Um, that, that, that's a, a biggest advantage for us as, a, as an offense. Um, but with that being said, he, yes, he is a good athlete, but he can make everything from the pocket as well. Uh, and he's a bright kid. He's picking up the offense quick. And um, so he's got that pocket ability to be able to make all the throws and good arm strength and accuracy, and he can throw the deep ball well. Um, but you know, he can scare you too you know, with his feet. Of course, this offense loses a couple of uh, proficient playmakers from the last few years and receiver Brandon Ayuk and running back Eno Benjamin. But you have uh, – that's the bad news. The good news is you've got some talented young athletes, don't you, Zach, that are going to compete for playing time in those spots around your veteran wideout, Frank Darby. We do, and we're hungry. And the, the guys are extremely hungry. And every team, every team, no matter who you look at, are going to lose guys, lose your seniors, you know, and that's like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, that creates opportunities, you know, for, for young guys, and, and they know that, and um, they're putting in the time and the, the effort and the preparation uh, to, to really build that confidence so they can play fast and play physical and, and get after it on the football field. And, and we'll see – the guys that pick it up the quickest in practice and, um, and and who can handle those game situations. And we're trying to put as much on them as possible from situational, um, you know, things in, in our meetings and practices and film, you know, where hopefully they're ready to go in, in any situation. And uh, but, but what I'd say from a personnel standpoint is, again, those guys are hungry. And you're, you're going to see a lot of guys that, you know, don't have the flash, don't have the, you know, the name yet but they'll create a name for themselves. There's, there's a lot of guys that are ready to roll. You're going to be leaning on your grad transfers, Henry Haddis and Kellen Deesh in that offensive line, aren't you? They should come in and plug right into that unit right away. We're very uh, happy with where our own line is, you know, and, and adding those two guys helps us. Uh, some young guys, you know, with uh, Ladarius and, and then with uh, Donovan, you know, and then Ben Scott. Yeah, I mean, some really good guys that uh, are developing and getting better. Um, so we, we feel like that O-line is, is, is coming around. It's going to be uh, a strength for us. And, uh, you know, some, some guys that are, again, haven't been on the field yet that are developing and um, getting a whole lot better and, and ready to jump in. So our depth should be better than it has been in the past. And you like the tight end position in your offense, don't you? Uh, we do, Yes. <laughs> yeah, the tight ends uh, will definitely have a role. Um, you know, ultimately, we're going to play the best guys. I mean, our, our personnel is going to be driven by our playmakers. And so um, if that is the tight ends, then that is the tight ends. If it's a, another position, then it's another position. Um, but the, the, the tight end piece will be used and, and utilized in this offense. Zach, so nice of you to spend some time with us. We wish you well this season, the season that will start six weeks from now. Thanks for being with us, buddy. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Sun Devil Offensive Coordinator Zach Hill helps us wind down tonight's show. Some thank yous before we leave. Thanks to our great engineer, Sean Crespin, for his help. Thanks to Sean Mitchell of the Sun Devil Radio Network, our in-studio coordinator, Mitch Vereldis, and special thanks to Nate Wainwright and Tim Cassidy from Sun Devil Football for their assistance as well. We'll be back next Thursday night at 7 o'clock with another edition of the Maroon Monsoon, and we hope you'll join us then. Till then, I'm Tim Healy saying so long, everybody. That was the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. 
Gila River bleeds maroon and gold, and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. This Sun Devil Athletics program is an exclusive presentation of the Sun Devil Radio Network. Presented by MidFirst Bank.